I'm Ian Brinksman from Washington, D.C., and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Everybody, welcome to the show, episode 689 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today as I always am by the lovely, talented, and scholarly Brittany Page. This this could be a dangerous situation here. The TV we now have in the studio yeah, with we have CNN a, going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a, a huge distraction. No, it's not a distraction. Potentially. No, well, potentially. Of course it is, but... I just want, if things are popping off, like, just before we went to air, yeah, th- something popped off. And I want to be able to be like, oh, shit, we got to change direction real quick. That's that's true. That's why I wanted the TV in here, because I'm in here doing pre-production shit and research for videos. Yeah. And I'm just in my cave, and if something doesn't happen to flash on my phone... I don't see it. Yeah, you're just in the dark. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm in a cave. It literally, <laughs> I mean, I have internet in here. Yeah. And drywall and, and blue lights. walls. And there's studio lights. Yeah. It's really not very cavish at all. <laughs> but it's uh, it's cavish in the way that I'm kind of isolated. Yeah. Well, that's sounds... And for those of you who didn't know, we now have a TV in the studio. Well, we just mentioned that. Yes, we do. And it's nice. We got to sit here and watch the Republican National Convention together. And the way that the studio is set up is we have two desks facing each other. That's right. So when we do the show, we're facing each other. We can see each other and read each other's anger whenever we say something. (laughs) And (laughs) each other's anger or I'm like, oh, shit, I went too far. (laughs) Um, And... We were able to talk about the RNC in real time as it was happening because we were watching it in the studio. So yeah, that yeah. was good. But yeah, we have a TV in here now. That's all good. Um, I, I know that we're going to get into all of that later, but I kind of want to process a new trauma that has occurred for me. I don't know whether to make fun like it's a joke or be serious as though, oh, a trauma. Let's take this in. Okay, well, it's it's not super serious, but... <laughs> All right, let's make fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's people who don't pick up their dog poop. Oh, uh, I fucking hate the... Oh, I know the trauma. I, I know the trauma. Yeah, so there's people who... And it is a serious trauma that I should not make fun of. It... <laughs> they take their dog out. And they let their dog poop, and then they don't pick it up. And more, more, These listen, people exist. More, it's surprising. More egregiously, they take their dog out to poop yeah. and let the dog poop in our yard. Yeah. That's the crime here. That's, that's the offense against humanity. Yeah. And so here's the deal. I always get freaked out that I'm going to step in it or Popeye's going to step in it. And I know he has a really good sniffer, so he's probably not going to step in another dog's poop, but he's blind and he may be caught off guard. I don't know. So (laughs) I pick it up. I pick up the other poop. Yeah. 
and which is not freshly pooped. No, I have picked it up and it has been cold. Yeah, and I will tell you why is it so much worse to pick up a cold poop? I am. I was. It's not. I'm not just hearing this now. We've had a conversation about it. It's terrible. But right? I was relieved that I wasn't just uniquely grossed out. Listen, it's gross that you're picking up poop anyway. <laughs> but there's something just extra oogie yeah. about a cold turd yeah. with only a thin poop bag barrier, <laughs> yeah. you know, separating you and certain horrific disease. Exactly. And I don't know, there's something comforting about the warm poop when you pick it up that the cold poop just does not have. It's horrifying. <laughs> so... This is just a message to everybody. I know we're all having a hard time and 2020 is a hell year and we all want it to be over. But let's not get lax with the standards that we have for ourselves. You can't and blame you can't blame coronavirus stress on people who are assholes letting their dogs shit willy-nilly wherever. I'm not I'm not giving them the out. I'm just saying, listen, man, I know we're all having a hard time, but we gotta, we gotta keep it in check still. And yeah. it's very easy to carry a little baggie with you and pick up the poop. You love your dog, so you should be okay to pick up the poop and don't force people to pick up cold turds in their yard. That's not fun for anybody. I will say this about the cold turds. Okay. At least uh -huh. whoever the mongrel is, and I'm talking about the owner, not the dog, <laughs> whoever the fucking mongrel is that's allowing their dog to relieve him or herself on our lawn, at least it's not a great dame. That's true. Their dog. That's true. Because they are not substantial. If you know what I'm saying. They're not substantial, yeah. But <laughs> it's it's still substantial to pick up any kind of cold poop. That's not your dog's. It's aggressive. It is aggressive. Just keep the bag, pick it up, stop being the way that you are. <laughs> All right. I was scrambling to find it. <laughs> so the other thing that, that is new here is we have a new recorder that we're recording into. So if the show is a little different, I do want a little feedback on how it sounds, if you like the old way. I know I shouldn't say that because everybody's going to be like, go back to the old way. But I'm, gonna, I'm realizing now that the, where I have the recorder positioned, I'm going to have to move it. Because I have to keep having to look. Oh, anyway, it's a whole thing going on here. Mm -hmm. But if there is a little difference in the sound, it's it's that. Yeah. So always trying to step up our technology game. Right. We're recording in multi-track right now, rather Ooh. than both of us on one fucking track, balanced to one side. Sausage, sausage, everybody. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we 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 do got a lot to get to. Uh, before we get to some of the breaking news that just came across the wire. Uh, we want to read an email and and really encourage you to reach out to the show. We're back. We're back at doing um, two episodes a week as often as we can. That still isn't. Uh, we're not up to that level a hundred percent yet, but we're getting back there. Mm -hmm. And we want to hear from you six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's get to an email. So this email is from Roxanne. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Love your podcast. I learned about it through my cousin, Jennifer, who recommended an episode you did about reparations. I found the episode very refreshing and think it should be required listening to anyone who claims to be a liberal slash progressive. I also agree with your comments regarding criticism of Biden slash Harris from the left. 
This idea that getting Trump out of office should be our only concern and we should all shut up and vote. It has been my personal experience that this kind of talk always comes from privilege, race, gender, class, especially people who may be experiencing a mild inconvenience under Trump compared to those of us who have lost our jobs, affordable health care, homes, etc. because of this regressive administration. Yes, we are suffering under Trump, but the idea that we should ignore this problematic candidate that the DNC forced on us is a slap in the face. Let's ignore his history of sexual harassment and over-policing of black people because if he wins, things will be better. For them first, of course. The rest of us should continue to wait our turn. Brittany's comparison to trickle-down economics was so spot on. I appreciate your common sense and empathy. Wishing your daughter a speedy recovery. Signed, Roxanne. Thanks, Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm steadfast, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at about this particular issue. Because when there's always going to be something going on that, oh, no, save your criticism. Mm. Because we're trying to get this done. Right. We're trying to get this passed. Once he's elected, I mean. There will always be an excuse and a reason for mainline, milk toast, middle of the road Democrats to say, hey, don't criticize our guy because it's going to hurt this or that effort. And that's just fucking nonsense. Because when will it be okay to push the envelope and try to get a little progress relative to policy agendas? Yeah, for sure. And I think the more that we practice this, talking about how it's okay to discuss criticisms and the ways in which people are not perfect candidates, um, but also at the same time encouraging people to vote, that that may help everyone become a little bit more comfortable with the nuance there. Yeah. It's okay to engage in these conversations to have criticism, to acknowledge that these are not the perfect candidates, maybe not even the candidates that you wanted, but that things are so serious right now that you're being forced into a position and the moral choice that you have, I mean, the correct moral choice is to vote for Joe Biden. Yes, which we're, we're going to get to a little later. Yeah. Uh, relative to, 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 to the choice of Donald Trump, but... This is kind of the other thing. I, I, I yearn for a day where we can get back to being able to civilly disagree about policy. Mm. And we've kind of gotten into this zero-sum binary choice thing that, if, that, that it, it is morality over evil. And mm. listen, I, I know there's a lot of people out there who are a little bit more lefty than, than progressive and a little bit more progressive than centrist Democrat. But getting us in a in a incremental way toward medicare for all is what we should all be working toward. We know Joe Biden's not there, but if we could transition to a medicaid for uh, for everyone medicare for everyone who wants it and then really promote everybody getting on it so it's not a cost-effective model for people to be on a private insurance model. And then everybody switches over, it's a gradual thing that needs to happen with a guy like Joe Biden. And if we're never allowed to criticize, then how do we how do we push the envelope is what I'm saying. Anyway, and so all of this has to do with well, having those tough conversations without demonizing and vilifying someone with a with with a with a different opinion of yours relative to policy. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also this this approach that progressives are taking where they're saying, "Listen, 
if if we just vote for Joe Biden and and put them in power again, then they are just affirmed in their position of ignoring progressive policies and ignoring what progressives want. But listen, just because Joe Biden gets elected doesn't mean that the progressive arm of the party goes away or loses power. I mean, you're still there. You still have those beliefs. Yeah, yeah. You're still fighting to push people left. That still exists. And the population is on your side. <laughs> the older people in the party are going to continue just through attrition to go away. That's the word, and, attrition. And younger people are going to... It's not extinction, Brittany. Bring in... It's attrition. Bring in their progressive <laughs> viewpoints. Yes. I mean, that it's just on your side that that is going to happen. So I know it's not happening as fast as people want, and there are still a lot of... Uh, there's still a lot of anger and frustration about what happened with, with Bernie. But, I mean, we're going to get into all of it. Yeah, but we're, <laughs> listen, we're surrounded by a generation, and I don't mean generation like Generation X and, and Baby Boomers and, and Millennials. I mean, th- there's, we're, we're kind of in a society, largely, maybe not mostly, but largely, that wanna, they're willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's, it's, Fuck it. He's not perfect. He's not exactly as liberal as I want him to be. He's not even anywhere near as liberal that I, as I want to be. But we might as well have Trump. That That is just fucking self-defeating fucking garbage. Mm-hmm. Well, Cynical fucking garbage. And what did I say last episode? Um, cynicism isn't a virtue. It's a fucking virus. Yeah. Avoid it. Well, and like Roxanne said here, that a lot of that seems to come from privilege. Without a doubt. Yeah. Because listen, we're a couple of white people mm-hmm. doing okay. Mm-hmm. In fact, our our financial situation might be greatly improved if Donald Trump gets another term, just based on what we do here, right, on the show and on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But we need to do what's right for our neighbors and our brothers and sisters in the country who don't have the same privilege as we. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for the email, Roxanne. We appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. I think that's it, mm-hmm. and we're going to move on. Yeah. We've got a lot to cover today. The, the, the latest news about the Office of the Director of National Intelligence not going to be doing briefings, uh, uh, in-person briefings about election interference to Congress that is a constitutional oversight role. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about the Republican National Convention, and then we're going to talk about the tragic, insane shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and all of the insanity that's followed. The statements from the police chief, the statements from the sheriff, and all of these cops. Tucker Carlson's new position, which is being adopted by far-right-wing nutterbutters all across the internet. Anyway, before we get there, we're going to go here. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank Brittany C. Brittany C. For being our latest Patreon supporter. It's, it's strange. The way Patreon does it, if, someone, if someone's support lapses or they go away because of whatever reason, and then when they come back, they're counted as a new supporter. The email doesn't say, 
Um, anything different. It's just it's turned on or turned off. Anyway, yeah. Fucking Patreon. Yeah, we're having a lot of issues <laughs> with Patreon right now, but we. Well, we had the calls uh, last night and today. Yeah. And it was a. F- if you got multiple emails to join the Zoom call today, yeah, that's a Patreon issue. I mean, it's us because we're, I guess, dummies. But yeah, Patreon does not fucking make it easy to do the things that we promise we'll do. So. Yeah. Well, so let's do this in advance. We do the Patreon monthly hangout calls for the appropriate tier. So if that's something that you're interested in, joining a video chat with us once a month. We actually do them twice a month to. Just talk to us. Talk to the community of listeners. We're going to be doing that the end of every month. We have done that for years. That has been the time, even though Marcus tried to call me out and say that I was intentionally trying to exclude him. How dare? How fucking dare, Marcus? How dare you, sir? I mean, come on. Yeah, it's very unacceptable. And very close to getting a ban from the show. He's, I mean, listen, is that something we can vote on? (laughs) I don't need a vote. Well, I'm in. This isn't a democracy. This is an enlightened dictatorship here. Okay. If I ban, you're banned. And you do I get a say though? That's what I'm saying. Do I? Of course you do. Well, I vote in support of a ban. Oh well, I don't yet. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like we have to insert the key. And then it's also it's an honor system thing for Marcus because you know it's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, Okay, so they're at the end of the month on Friday and Saturday. So. This the, next month, the September. Last, the last Friday and Saturday of the month, typically. Right. Yeah. So this will be September 25th and 26th. September 25th is a Friday. We're going to do it at 7 p.m. Los Angeles time. On September 26th is a Saturday. We're going to do it 11 a.m. Los Angeles time. Yeah. So that's when they will be. Plan to be there. Block some time out. Spend your night and your morning with us, chatting with the listeners and chatting with us. It's always a good time. And we'll send those uh, invitations out at the specified time through Patreon. Yes. Yeah. All right. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for your support. As always, Um, it really is. It's a beautiful thing. And we, we do not take it for granted. It is very important to us. You are helping produce the show that you ostensibly love since you're listening to me say the words right now. Dalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Now let's talk about John Ratcliffe, who is the, he's the director of national intelligence. And his decision and Donald Trump's decision to, to no longer... In the midst of election, the most important election in the nation's history, likely, to no longer give uh, in-person briefings to both the Select Committee on Intelligence for the House and the the Senate Intelligence Committee on matters of election uh, security. Election security. Mm-hmm. This just came across uh, the the wires. Here's a clip from JTAP explaining it on CNN. And then, like always, we're going to talk about it. I want to go to our senior Washington correspondent and anchor of the lead, Jake Tapper, who has breaking news on election security. Jake is joining us by phone. Jake, what are you learning? A senior administration official told me that the office of the director of national intelligence, that's John Ratcliffe, has informed 
the two committees in Congress that are responsible for oversight of the intelligence community, that is uh, the House Select Committee on Intelligence, chaired by Congressman Adam Schiff of California, and the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, uh, which has been uh, in, uh, helmed by Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, though Senator Marco Rubio has assumed uh, those uh, responsibilities as of recently, um, that those two committees will no longer be receiving in-person briefings from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence on the issue of election security. Instead, they will be provided with written updates, I am told. Now, Obviously, this is going to come as alarming news for a lot of people who care about election security, Democrats and Republicans. Um, but right now, the story is breaking, so we have not gotten any official on-the-record responses. We should note that uh, Republicans and Democrats on those committees prefer in-person briefings so that they can ask questions, challenge assumptions, uh, conduct their oversight role uh, properly. Uh, written updates in the view of many of these people, I'm sure, having covered this for years now, uh, will not be sufficient. Um, we should also note that the senior administration official says that other um, agencies, other cabinets, uh, departments that cover, that uh, have responsibility for election security in other ways, in other words, uh, the Pentagon, the Department of Homeland Security, the Justice Department, those organizations, those departments will continue to provide in-person briefings. But the intelligence community, as helmed by the Trump administration, John Ratcliffe and the Office of uh, the Director of National Intelligence, will no longer do so. Uh, and this is going to come as relatively shocking news, and I am quite certain it will alarm a lot of people who already are convinced that President Trump does not take issues of election security seriously, especially when it has to do with the Russians. Uh, there's a long trail of individuals who worked for President Trump in one capacity or another, whether former National Security Advisor John Bolton or former Chief of Staff for the Department of Homeland Security, Miles Taylor, who have said publicly that when it came to issues having to do with election security and the Russians, President Trump did not want to hear about it. So the idea that uh, the bipartisan committees, um, bipartisan and bicameral committees, House and Senate, will no longer get to ask questions uh, is going to be seen as in that vein of the Trump administration not taking this issue seriously. Not taking it seriously, not wanting to investigate further, not wanting to prevent election interference, just wanting to sweep it under the rug, not talk about it, especially if it benefits him. Yeah, this is this is a move that is that is one of two things. If you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, it's that... They don't want it to be a campaign talking point. That's the most innocent way to look at this. A more sinister way, and what I believe it is, it's that they want the election tampering to take place because they know it's going to benefit them, and they're using the office of the president and the infrastructure, uh, the, the intelligence infrastructure of the United States, as a way to keep Congress, with its constitutional oversight authority, out of the loop. Both... Republicans and Democrats out of the loop mm -hmm. because it's not just boxing out the House Intelligence Committee, which is Democrat led. They're also boxing out the Senate. Now, some would say, uh, well, this is just in-person briefings. What's what's the big deal? They're still going to get briefed. 
The problem with that lies in the fact that there will be no follow-up questions asked. They'll be able to tailor the information in such a way that leaves all kinds of questions and very few answers. And if we, it, it, listen, sorry, if the Republican Party or if Donald Trump does this the way that we know he's going to fucking do it, there will be lots of questions left unanswered, and then the Congress will not be able to respond with appropriate legislation through their oversight power. Yeah. It's very much like my mom having arguments via prison letter with my dad who was in prison. <laughs> so, you know, she he would send a letter from prison, and then she would write a letter in response, all mad, and, like, responding it's to his points. It's a hell of a way to have a fight. And then, you know, you have to stew in that for, like, four weeks but when you get the next prison letter to come in and it's it's very much like it's back ineffective in, back in the olden days like if you had a <laughs> like when thomas jefferson or whoever went over and was in some diplomatic capacity yeah. in, in france yeah and then if you write off a, you fire off a tersely worded letter it's like oh you're stewing oh six <laughs> weeks later he gets it and then they write but you know it's they were just like uh, like our founding fathers, your parents, is yeah. what I'm saying. Well, hopefully in the 16 years that he's been there, they've got it figured out. So, <laughs> uh, Also, top intelligence officials uh, have already suggested that foreign governments may be attempting to influence the 2020 election. And they're using, okay. they're using very uh, diplomatic language right. to go with the theme here. Right. Uh, absolutely, they are interfering and attempting to interfere already. And that's, of course... Because of the success last time of the Russian campaign yeah. to undermine Hillary Clinton last time. Yeah. And, and, and it's happening right now. They already know that there's these bot farms, first of all, on Twitter, but also Facebook. And those efforts are just being completely overlooked <laughs> or ignored because Mark Zuckerberg is a fucking maniac. What the fuck is wrong with that guy? I Fa mean, Facebook is... It's it's not going to work out well for Facebook. I mean, that is my prediction. I there's just a there's a tide turning and it it's not going to go well. Well, here's here's what I suspect is happening. And, and what even the, within face Facebook, right? Its oh, own employees yeah. Yeah, are trying mutiny. to expose. Yeah, expose there's a mutiny on that yeah. ship. It's I, I, either what's going to happen is. Uh, they're just biding their time trying to rake in as much money, billions and billions and billions of dollars as they can before the government steps in and breaks up the company in some kind of an antitrust thing or starts heavily regulating how shit works. Mm -hmm. But it, social media as we know it in its current form will not be this way in another six to eight years. It's going to be fucking completely dismantled because they are dropping the fucking ball. The ball they created, they're, they're fucking it up. Yeah. So what happened was we were planning the show and we're talking about the topics that need to be here that we need to talk about. And I started to feel just crippled by how much corruption that we have to wade through. Yeah. And it, it's really overwhelming. And that's really the goal of the Trump administration is just there's so much coming out all the time that you... It, it's time consuming to even stop and read about everything that's happening to learn about it, to be informed. Yeah, it's like a gish gallop of corruption. And that's where you what just get overwhelmed by. It. And that's what they're counting on, right? That's what they want because then you shut it out and you stop paying attention. Not only that, there's another, another element to it that we've talked about, and that's people being 
cynical about it and like, well, of course they're doing this or that. Mm. Of course. I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? You need to maintain your outrage so your neighbors will remain outraged. So some change will come of this because if you become complacent about this rampant, unprecedented corruption, then they'll just get the fuck away with it. So there was a an article that came out in the Washington Post, and it was written by David Farenthold. I think that's how you say it. Farenthold, yeah. I mean, it's either Farenthold or Farenthold, which is the way I say it. And he goes deep on the corruption within the Trump organization. Which, by the way, he's been doing since the campaign in 2015. Yeah. He's, he, he has uncovered all kinds of financial improprieties. He's the one that, when, remember when Donald Trump opted out of one of the debates and said, instead, I'm going to hold my own rally and it's going to be a fundraiser for veterans. And I pledge two or five million dollars or some amount that never got delivered to the actual charity until right. he came around and said, hey, listen, it's been like six or eight months. You That money never got delivered. And then the very next day, they cut the check. Yeah. So he's done yeoman's work, beautiful fucking reporter, really um, earning his paychecks. Yeah. So this article is titled Room Rentals, Resort Fees, and Furniture Removal, How Trump's Company Charged the United States Government More Than $900,000. Right. And in it, he writes, Trump has now visited his own properties 271 times as president, according to a Washington Post tally, including a visit Thursday when he met with GOP donors at his D.C. hotel. Through these trips, Trump has bought the Trump Organization a stream of private revenue from federal agencies and GOP campaign campaign groups. Federal spending records show that taxpayers have paid Trump businesses more than 900000 since he took office. At least 570000 came as a result of the president's travel, according to a Washington Post analysis. So as is customary with reporting, when you report on something, you ask for comment of, from, of the subject that of the reporting. So in response to questions for this report, White House spokesman Judd Deere said in a statement that Trump, quote, has turned over the day-to-day responsibilities of running the company, though he was not required to, and has sacrificed billions of dollars Ugh. because of discarded deals. So Judd Deere did not directly address the questions according to this article but here's where it went to a place that is uh not great for our country quote the washington post is blatantly interfering with the business relationship of the trump organization and it must stop dear wrote in his statement please be advised that we are building up a very large dossier on the many false david farenthold and other stories as they are a disgrace to journalism and the american people so a taxpayer This person's paid by the government. He's paid by us. And he is now working as a champion for Donald Trump's private business interest from the West Wing of the White House. That is correct. That is the stuff of authoritarianism. Yes. That there's no separation. They're just defending the man, defending the man, defending the man when their job, what they're paid to do, is work for the presidency to work for the president of the United States, the office of the president, not the man. Yeah. So the issue here isn't, I mean, it is the corruption. Mm -hmm. It is that Donald Trump has created this private stream or publicly funded stream of of revenue into his businesses, a million dollars, just in this reporting. 
But it's also the fact that now taxpayer dollars are going to defend his corrupt business interest. Absolutely. What the fuck? So I came across this Twitter thread, and it's written by Bryn Tannehill. And she has a lot of followers on Twitter, and this Twitter thread just blew up and was retweeted by many people in my thread. Some very good stuff in there. Yeah, so I, I want to read parts of it, and I want to preface this by saying, if if you have listened to the show throughout the entire Donald Trump presidency. You may be surprised that we are at this point <laughs> where we are now concerned for democracy. Even I'm come around on that. Because I, th- I think at first we thought we want to be extra careful. We want to check ourselves related to polarization. We want to make sure that we aren't reading things into this situation that aren't actually reality based on the fact that we think Donald Trump is an immoral and abhorrent person. And so trying to separate him from what he does is impossible. And yeah, sure. and we've now reached a point where things are so bad. I mean, just the two stories that we've talked about, it's, it's becoming more evident. So I want to read Bryn Tannehill's words here. I won't read the whole thread, but I want to read parts of it and then kind of talk about where we're at with this election. This, this is her thread. The more I write about this, the more it becomes plain. If Biden loses, 2020 will be the last remotely free and fair election we have for decades and certainly my lifetime. We are in the middle of an autocratic attempt and it looks so much like Hungary's. The courts are being packed with loyalists. Many state legislators in swing states are gerrymandered beyond belief. The executive branch is gaining unitary power. The Department of Justice is blatantly, selectively applying the law to favor the autocrat. IGs are being destroyed. AGs being replaced. Congress is no longer a check on corruption as the Senate has been captured by Trump loyalists. RBG is in bad shape. Ditto Breyer. Hybrid regimes, competitive authoritarianism, are remarkably stable. This is why 2020 is for all the marbles. This is why I have no use for people who whine about Biden slash Harris not being far enough left for their tastes. They are under the mistaken belief that if Biden loses, they will have another chance to elect people that are far enough left for their liking. The truth is, if Biden and Harris lose, there isn't going to be an opportunity to elect someone like that in their lifetime, not without succession of blue states. That's the only plausible scenario I can come up with after the autocratic breakthrough. The people who study autocracy are all singing the same tune. American democracy is not strong enough to survive another four years. The guardrails are already almost completely down. This is entirely consistent with how others have fallen in post-Cold War period. Trump's intentions are clear. So are the GOPs. While Republicans are fear-mongering the hell out of this election, Democrats refuse to call what is happening what it is for fear of sounding alarmist. Maybe this helps their chances of election, but it leaves the vast majority of the American public in the dark as to how incredibly dangerous this moment is, especially with QAnon, a group that wants enemies thrown in concentration camps, inexorably capturing the Republican Party even as it becomes autocratic. Beware, be warned, or don't, because once this election comes and goes, if Donald J. Trump is still president on January 21st, 2021, we're fucked. Democracy is not coming back in America. I believe every word of that. And I, that's coming from optimistic guy who has pushed back against this particular type viewpoint of doom and gloom. I'm someone who does believe 
in the, the strength and the resilience of American democracy. But I can't say she's wrong. Donald Trump, another four years of Donald Trump, a lot of the damage that's been done is invisible unless you're involved in this at the granular level. First of all, the packing of the courts is an unbelievably unprecedented thing that we've never seen before. And I'm not just talking about the Supreme Court. Right. The Federalist Society and these nutter butter far right wing judges that are all throughout the federal court system now. Donald Trump has appointed more judges than any of his modern predecessors because he had the United States Senate to push them through, confirming them no matter what. Judges, many of whom have not just a a vote of no confidence from the American Bar Association, but like ratings of unqualified. And that's who is on our federal bench now who interpret the laws, who will be able to strike down cases that come before them. I mean, we're talking about a, a log jam of, 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 of cases that will take years and years and years to even get to a Supreme Court that right now leans conservative. And if, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg goes, it will be a, a, a far right-wing court for another 30 years. Yeah. Well, and that's why that's what I liked about the the thread is really getting into the nitty-gritty because I think people just say, "Oh, yeah, Donald Trump, he he's out of step with the norms and there's some ethical violations and yeah, his personality isn't great, but you know, it's not that bad and and things will be okay and it's not that big of a deal and no, there's there's many many things that he has done and that that Again, like we're saying, if you're not spending time actually trying to stay informed, then... Because because the the frequency of his corruption has beaten you down to where you've just disengaged. Yeah, and I get that. I get it. Right. I feel it too. But you have to stay engaged. And that's why we're starting the show talking about these things that you may not have even, he- even heard about. You may not have heard about Jadir building a dossier... To protect the Trump organization to highlight all of the lies that have right. been report quote unquote lies that have been reported about his private business. Not just building the dossier, but having the fucking temerity to write it in a statement that we're building a dossier against a constitutionally protected member of the free and fair press. What in the fuck is that about? Because you're coming after the president's private business. That is emboldened. Yeah, to, to, to say that with your mouth, to write, to type that into a statement that's going to be released to the press. Mm-hmm. And we witnessed this all throughout this last week during the Republican National Convention. Right. With the with the White House. Right. With, that he gave his speech in front of the, the White House. With the fucking firework display at the end of it where he wrote his goddamn name in fireworks in the sky where there he's accepting the nomination with the backdrop of the White House on tax Payer-funded property. It's not just a break from the norm. We're witnessing the erosion of American democracy right before our fucking eyes. So cry me a goddamn river that Bernie Sanders didn't get the nomination, and you're saying, I'm not going to vote for Biden. You will be part of the destruction of America 
if you choose that path. Because you will be an active participant in giving Donald Trump another four years. And even if someone is to hear you say that and say, well, I don't care about the destruction of America. I don't care about this country. I don't respect this country. I'd go move elsewhere. Think about the people in this country. Who can't go move elsewhere. That's what really needs to be the focus. Because I understand that a a lot of people that would respond that way because they have contempt and they aren't necessarily rah-rah America. And that's okay. Fine. But look at the people, though. Look at the people that will be harmed. Yeah, there are already states in our union where there's only one place in the entire state to go and, and get health care um, relative to an abortion. One, one fucking place. Let me tell you, if we lose Ruth Bader Ginsburg, there will be many states where there will be zero places. And where do you go if you're living in poverty? Where do you go? How do you get yourself out of the state to go um, take care of that health care need so you're not, you don't have another fucking child or, or a, a child that will keep you trapped in a cycle of poverty and misery, never able to break free from that. You want to be a part of that? Then go ahead and act in a way that is going to get Donald Trump another four years, because that is exactly what we're looking at. And by the way, Donald Trump is growing more confident and reassured in how flagrant his violations of the law and of ethics are. You know, giving the speech in front of the White House? Yeah. According to New York Times reporting, Donald Trump's aide said that he enjoyed the frustration and anger that he caused by holding that event. Yeah. On the South Lawn of the White House. Quote, he relished the fact that no one could do anything to stop him, said the aides, who spoke anonymously to discuss internal conversations. He relished the fact that no one could do anything to stop him. This is Donald Trump. And this is why you don't elect people like Donald Trump. He has this power and he's abusing it in every single way. And Democrats have chosen to fucking do nothing. They were they dragged their feet to impeach him. Nancy Pelosi had to be dragged to impeach Donald Trump for his clear crimes against this country. It's not just the Republicans who, ha- who, who are complicit in this. It's the slow to action, failure to act. Weird reverence for, for tradition and institutional norms, quote unquote. When, when you ignore, when, when, you're, when your opponent is not acting with the same respect that you are for those norms those norms no longer exist you need to fucking do something when attorneys general are not adhering to subpoenas legal subpoenas and you say that they're doing something illegal you say with your fucking mouth that they're breaking the law and then nothing happens exert your power as a co-equal branch or get the fuck out of the way so someone else can well, that's why that's why we're talking about all this, because this really is the focus. I mean, we can sit around all day and say, oh, ha ha, look at how he did this. And oh, he's dumb. And, you know, there, if your main criticism for Trump is like calling him Cheeto online, you really need to move beyond that. And it's it's important to kind of step up your criticism, step up the things that you're highlighting in his record, in his administration, because 
we all have the power to shape and mold people's views on things with our platforms. Yeah. Even if you have a small platform. And it's important to... Even if it's just you on Facebook to your friends group. Right. It's important to highlight these things because some people just may not know. I think that's genuinely the case, that some people may not know the extent of it. Now, are you going to reach the Trump loyalists who, uh, you know, Donald Trump on the plane guy? No, likely not. You know, but... Are there people? Sorry, I'm slow on the button. Are there people waiting in the wings that that could potentially be swayed if they knew the extent of the corruption? I believe yes, but it's just it. There's so much to worry about that it's hard to really know what's going on and to make sense of it. Uh, Listen, I really hope. I mean, I believe that that Joe Biden has a very good shot shot of winning this. I swear you said chat. <laughs> well, it might be a, a little Freudian slip. I, <laughs> and it's a cold chat I, in a fucking poop bag. <laughs> but I hope he's not going to choose to go into this, into into uh, a Biden-Harris administration as just business as usual, y'all. Yeah. Just, I'm the president now. We're going to get to work. Here's what you need to do to get to work. You need to appoint a reverse a, a czar to re, a, a czar in a position to reverse all of the, the the entrenched systemic damage that Donald Trump did in his four years. That has to be done. There needs to be a list of things being developed right now that you're going to start putting into place on day one. That you're going to leave your podium. On Capitol Hill, you're going to go back to the White House and you're going to start fucking signing reversals of of executive action after executive action after executive action. The first day for you, Joe Biden, better be a fucking 18-hour day. Only 18? Well, he's an old man. You gotta, you're you know probably who, not going to sleep much anyway. You know who I think might be good for that job? Who? Daniel Dale. Daniel Dale. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that since we're kind of, you know, nebulously here talking about the the convention. Yeah. We're not going to play Donald Trump's speech because, <laughs> you know, fuck that guy. It was also over an hour. Like just sev- just to prove his stamina, by the yeah, way. Yeah, 75 minutes of just rent droning nonsense. It talking is- about how Democrats support abortion in the ninth month. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no, lie after lie after yeah. lie. And we're going to that's what Daniel Dale did on CNN, which by the way, I know you love it. All of the the visual cues and hilarious moments of how Anderson Cooper—it's a split screen—and yeah. Anderson Cooper's like leaning on his fucking on his cheek, on his fist. And, yeah, takes a sip of water. <laughs> yeah, because it's so much. Yeah, but Donald Trump, this screed, this doom and gloom, dystopian view, screaming about. Uh, uh, Joe Biden's America will be if you look in Kenosha, Wisconsin right now and you look in 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 Portland, that is Joe Biden's America. It's like, hey, dude, you're president. That's your America. You fucking moron. (laughs) Anyway, we're not going to play a speech because one, it was unhinged, just filled with lies. Also boring as fuck because he's a guy who never gets better. How do you read from a teleprompter? Day after day after day after day after day, and you never improve 
in your ability to give a speech. Sometimes I think he wants to crawl up on the podium and take a nap. Like, I feel like he's hunched over it and just wants to crawl up on there and, like, take a break. Doesn't sometimes he looks like he's crawling up on top of I it? I think it's because they, like, they pour KFC gravy up there and he's just like, oh... It keeps him. It keeps him engaged mm. in what he's doing. Yeah. Anyway, listen to this. This is in replacement to us playing any clips whatsoever of the Donald Trump acceptance speech on the White House grounds during the Republican National Convention. I know certainly there's a lot to break down from the president's more than hour long speech. Anderson, this president is a serial liar, and he serially lied tonight. I counted preliminarily more than 20 false or misleading claims. I want to go through a whole bunch of them quickly because I think it's all important. Trump said Joe Biden is, quote, talking about taking down the border wall. Biden has specifically, explicitly rejected that idea. He just said he'll stop further additional construction. Trump claimed, as always, that he is the one who passed the Veterans Choice Law. Barack Obama signed that into law in 2014. Trump signed a 2018 law to modify it. Trump said, I have done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln? That is ludicrous. Lyndon Johnson, for one, signed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Trump again touted a, quote, record 9 million job gain over the past three months. He didn't mention, as usual, that that gain follows a record 22 million job loss over the previous two months. He said he'll, quote, continue to lower drug prices. They've increased during his presidency. He said they opened a Jerusalem embassy for less than 500,000. Early documents show it was at least 21 million. He claimed NATO member spending has increased for the first time in about 20 years. Spending, in fact, rose in 2015 and in 2016 before he took office. He said he will always and Republicans will always strongly protect people with pre-existing conditions. That pledge has already been broken. He and they have repeatedly tried to weaken those protections in Obamacare. He claimed again that he banned travel from China and Europe. No, he imposed partial restrictions with many exemptions. Tens of thousands of people continue traveling over. He boasted about the COVID testing system and about his general response. Look, experts near universally say the U.S. was fatally slow in its response, especially slow in setting up adequate testing. He said that he ended what he called a NAFTA nightmare and he signed a brand new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA. That agreement preserves, maintains most of NAFTA. He boasted about building about 300 miles of border wall, what he didn't say is that most of that is a replacement barrier. As of August 7th, according to official data, just five miles had been built where none existed before. He suggested that Joe Biden would confiscate guns. That's baseless. Biden is running on a non-mandatory buyback of so-called assault weapons. He said Democrats want to defund the police. Biden, again, doesn't, has rejected that. He said he has, quote, very good information that China wants Biden to win because Biden is soft on China or cheerleads for China. The U.S. intelligence community says China wants Biden to win because it sees Trump as unpredictable. He said Biden vowed to close down charter schools. Biden's plan is skeptical on charters, but would not abolish them entirely. He denounced Biden for voting for the Iraq war. Biden did indeed vote for the Iraq war. But what Trump doesn't mention is that he also supported that invasion. He said Democrats twice removed the word God from the Pledge of Allegiance at their convention. Two individual caucus meetings outside the main primetime programming did leave it out, but it was uttered in every primetime event. Trump denounced so-called cancel culture as like an insidious left-wing thing. He, Donald J. Trump, has tried to get dozens of people and entities canceled, fired, boycotted, including literally last week, Goodyear. He said he imposed an order to give 10 years in prison to rioters. That's a maximum discretionary sentence up to judges in existing laws. His order just asked the government to fully enforce. And he said that Biden's plan would eliminate America's borders. No, just no. It's wrong. Oh, that's it? <laughs> There's more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. 
How much time do you got, Anderson? Uh, Daniel Dale, keep at it. Thank you. Uh, so good. Well, it was. It was rapid fire fact check in the moment. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, if he didn't have just a bulleted list in front of him, because there's no way a teleprompter operator is scrolling that quickly for him. It had to have been a bulleted list or something. Otherwise, he's got a fucking steel trap memory. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that's just the skill set of what he did. Also, insane that all of that is included. These aren't just like, oh, white lies or bending the truth a little bit. Oh, no. These are just, he's a liar. Yeah. And that's another thing that people say, well, are you surprised? Yeah. yeah. He's a liar. Yeah, well, we should be surprised that, that the president of the United States, I almost called him someone because that's how much respect I have, but because <laughs> the president of the United States got up in front of the nation to accept the nomination from the Republican Party and spoke for over an hour and most of it was just lies. In a front of hundreds of people most, the vast majority of whom did not wear masks. Right. Because they're not pussies. Right. I mean, really, the the Republican Party is just a goddamn nightmare. Well, and you made this point, too, that one of the remarkable things about the RNC is that there weren't notable figures from the actual party that got up there and spoke. Yeah, it's something that um, was alarming to me. You didn't see Kevin McCarthy. You didn't see the majority leader of of the House. You didn't see... Key Republican figures, you saw his press secretary there. And his Donald family. Trump's. You saw all of the family, even Tiffany Trump, who, I mean, seriously, these people, it is the least remarkable relative to talent and intelligence and ability of any family I've ever seen at the height of power. All of the kids are just fucking dum-dums. I mean, Ivanka is the most polished, but they're all dummies. They're just... They're not remarkable people. They're not leaders. They're not inspiring. They're just fucking rich grifters. Well, and I don't want people to think, oh, notable figures in the party didn't come out and give speeches. That is a good thing that they didn't come out and support They him. wanted to. They weren't invited. Either way, listen, they're not doing anything outside of the convention either they're not pushing back yeah they're not making statements right they're silent they're complicit it doesn't matter if they didn't go and directly give a a statement in support of of trump at the rnc your silence is complicity and without a doubt that's it so it's the whole situation was horrifying that's it from night one yeah for don jr and kimberly gargoyle i mean uh guilfoyle my little my little joke there. You got a little joke in. Kimberly Gargoyle, not Gilfoyle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. You're proud. Anyway, it is, it's just, it, it's a goddamn shit show. Yeah. From the get-go. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean to rhyme that. <laughs> I think you're on a roll. I think you are. Who am I? Wet-ass P-word. <laughs> so, so anyway, we're going to end it. And the next episode, which we're going to do tomorrow morning, I want to talk about this Jacob Blake situation because it is... It plays into a lot of this right now because there's a right-wing narrative that is defending this 17-year-old vigilante maniac who killed multiple people with an illegal weapon. And people like Tucker Carlson are now out there justifying his presence. Not just justifying, encouraging others to act in the manner that he did. 
Right. But I don't want I don't want to have this be a two hour episode. So we're going to come back tomorrow morning uh, with six uh, six ninety will be that episode. We'd love to hear from you though. Please six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. As always, we accept your your voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. As we always talk about, we are a listener supported, listener produced podcast if you have been on the fence for as long as you've been on the fence and you've been considering it if you don't have to budget it in if it's if it's not going to be something that's a a financial strain for you in uh my voice is going in uh in these odd times um then please consider going to dollamore.com slash patreon and becoming a a a producer of the program we love you guys we appreciate you We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.